Welcome to Space Bras, the science fiction movie podcast for bad bitch feminists. My name's Kate, and with me is the perfectly designed fembot friend that every girl will want, uh, Mary Johnston. Hey, girl, what's up? It's good. I like, uh, I'm just charging up my charging pass. <laughs> Not getting stuck on a loop, Not offering uh, offering me coffee and pouring <laughs> breaking mugs on the ground. Constant Why would you do breaking. this? I thought we were friends. I thought we were friends. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. I thought we could start off this episode by uh, talking a little bit about the distinctly non-Stepford wives that raised us, oh. our mothers. I, I would like to say real quick that, guys, you're in for a special treat, which is that this is the first time ever where I'm looking Mary right in the eyes. That's true. We have to tell people this is our first live in-person recording. Uh-huh. I flew to Milwaukee, surprised Mary for her birthday, which she shared with no. election day. Indeed, indeed. And some of it turned out well, some of it turned out less well, but overall we're calling it a win. Over- yeah, right. Let, overall, we're calling it a, we have checks and balances now. Guys, we still got a lot of work to do. That's, that's right. That's what, you know. But anyway, so I'm really excited Better to be here. Better than it was. Better than it was. <laughs> the most sad rallying <laughs> cry ever. It's somewhat better. <laughs> somewhat better. Somewhat better. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if the Democrats need to like if they want if they want me to stop saying somewhat better, they can just try harder. No, the one thousand percent. Like, <laughs> let's, it's real easy, guys. Just don't be assholes. Maybe don't pull test every answer you have. Maybe like. Try to just be inspiring and full of integrity. What a what a thought, you Maybe know? Take some risks. Yeah, some take some risks. Try to subvert uh, white supremacy instead of uh, not wanting to ruffle too many feathers, you know? That'd be nice. Well, what I thought was one of the funnier things that we found out about Wisconsin is everyone wants to smoke weed regardless of situation. It was wild. We had referendum votes, and it uh-huh. was all like... So, Milwaukee, we had one question, which was basically like, would you like to have uh, recreational marijuana use? Oh, so referendum is in like, they're just like assessing. It's not like a law thing. Correct. It's more like a giant Correct. poll for Correct. all voters. We're voting if we want to vote on it. Basically. Very cool. Don't yes. judge me for not knowing what that was. No, no, I'm not judging you at all. And, um, but like in Racine County, they had, which is like kind of between here and uh, Chicago, they had like five different questions mm. on about it on the ballot, which was like, do you want, do you want to legalize recreational use? Do you want to re- uh, legalize uh, medicinal use? If we did legalize it, what kind of taxing <laughs> rules would we need to put on it? Like, there were so many questions, so many referendum, just like, just give your, your, your opinion. You know, just for shits and gigs. Let's and- say we did like smoking pot. <laughs> that. Well, and and everyone apparently does. Milwaukee <laughs> passed theirs with like by like 80%. Yes. Yeah. 20%. What else is content? No. And then Racine 20% County. Square. Squares. <laughs> and, then, and then Racine was even funnier. 90%. <laughs> oh my God. For medicinal. So I was like, yeah, people in Racine have back pain. Glycoma. They want it bad. Yeah, man. It would be real nice if like you are in chronic pain. Or, you know, let's let's be honest. You got a bad hangover. You try on over to your local dispensary. Let's be honest. Wouldn't it be nice if everyone cared about every issue this much? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that is ridiculous. literally the most upsetting thing ever. I I honestly, one of the ways I got people to vote in Atlanta, everyone should vote for, should have voted for Stacey Abrams, should vote in the hopeful runoff election for Stacey Abrams. Like, I shouldn't have had to even try to convince anyone to vote at all. But it was like, hey, on Sundays. We could start ordering booze at restaurants at 11.30 instead of 12.30. Whoa! 
Go to the polls. Go to the polls. Your Sunday Boots Fest could start one hour earlier. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. So I, you know, as you know, I was a, a poll worker this year for the election. And there were definitely doing lots the work. doing the work. Mm-hmm. And I was a register. So in Wisconsin, you can register to vote the same day that we do a vote. Which is amazing. Should happen across the country. Yes. Not the case in yes. Georgia or many other states. Many other states. There are, I think there are only like 10 states that do it. It's wild. Um, And so I was registering people to vote. And you could definitely. And I was in a, um, on uh, a college campus. So it was like tons of students, mostly students living in this dormitory where we had it set up. And they'd just be like all these dirtbag, like white dudes coming up to me like, I get to, I get to vote for like marijuana, right? And I was like, <laughs> well, <laughs> voting for marijuana is strong word there. Yeah, you get to right. provide your opinion. Yeah, yeah, you're being asked for an opinion. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, it's we're like voting. A we're voting to vote. We're voting to vote. <laughs> we're voting if we want to vote about it I, later. I, I think everyone has voted. Yes, we do want to vote about it later, but you know. Oh, yeah. 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 80%. 80%. Never before if people agreed on something so strongly. <laughs> right? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we like felt that way about, you know, like healthcare? That'd be great. Be amazing. Be amazing. Hey, uh, breaking news, by the way. Uh, Florida officially will have a recount for both their Senate and governor races. Yeah. And we're in the time machine right now, which means that people in the, ba- in the in the future are either being like, and it worked out great or it worked out bad. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah, we get it. It happened. We all got the same alert that Saturday. Anyway, sorry. That's... Yeah. Don't alerted me. <laughs> Apple watch. Come on. <laughs> um, anyway. But speaking of speaking of, you know giving a damn and uh and the past yeah this week we are taking on uh the stepford wives the yeah. movie brian forbes stepford wives and i thought we could start off by just kind of talking a little bit about the distinctly non stepford wives that raised us are both we were both raised by working mothers indeed we were at the top we just want to say of course yeah. that you know, we support moms who decide they want to stay home. We support moms who decide they want traditional careers. We support moms who have non-traditional careers and everything We support moms. We support women. Basically, you do you. However, our moms worked. And that was just what made the most sense for our families, for our moms. And it there was a lot. There's a lot to be said about what that was in terms of niceness for a kid. Because I feel like we, we used to. I don't think it's as much an issue anymore because now uh, our... With our economy and everything else, everyone's expected to work until we die, basically. But it used to be like, if you're a working mom, like you're less of a good mom. But like, we're here to tell you that was not our that was not, not our life. Not my personal experience. I do nope. think it's funny that both you and I have moms that have careers that like Richard Scary characters would have. Yeah, my mom was a doctor. Uh-huh. Your mom is a flight attendant. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like definitely jobs that come with like a uniform. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and are things that like children readily can identify. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unlike my career and your career, mm-hmm. where our kids are not going to be able to know what that they're is. like they. Computers. 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 Computadoras. My, my, yeah. Like, my mother works in an office. That's like what my kid is going to be able to say. Um, And I also think it's funny that our mothers were both uh, married to men who also had, like, similar jobs. Matching careers. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, a surgeon. Your dad, dad, a pilot. It's very, it's very cute. It's also how both of our parents met each other was uh, with their respective careers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about what it was like to be Ann Johnston's daughter. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel fabulous. Ann Johnston. Fabulous. Ann Johnston Mm -hmm. is a saint. I, I mean, it was like very inspiring, I would say. I, I feel fortunate that I was just kind of like raised and it wasn't even a question. Definitely. 
Um, I've heard other people talk about the Stepford Wives and like some people are like, I don't relate to this at all. And some people are like that this was ever a thing that was real. And I mean, okay, that's that's nice. You don't know anything about history. Yeah, right. But like people were like, I I only knew moms that worked like no, but I don't know anyone. But like I was raised, you know, so I grew up in Houston. I knew plenty of moms that were stay at home moms. My mom was not a stay at home mom. And I also knew people who had moms that worked. So like it was not it was sort of just like same always raised with this idea that like. You could kind of do whatever you want, yeah. but I was definitely inspired to think about what kind of a career I would want. And I think that's really the nice thing about it. Like, yeah. it's not just what your mom did. It's also like the other what women. What it can do. Yeah. And also what, like the other women that were in her life. So she knew stay-at-home moms. She knew career moms. Yeah. Like, and it was just normal to do either, either yeah. or. Being a flight attendant, like you're gone for weird chunks of time. Yep. Um, And that. It was nice seeing that my mom went off and had her own life, that she loved it, that she would go on adventures. It's how my parents both talked about it. They told me that I would go on adventures. It also meant that, like, from a young age, like, we did things like dinner would sometimes be fend for yourself, which sounds like, I feel like it sounds bad, but it was great. Like, Megan and I learned how to cook at an early age. Like, we made breakfast in bed for our parents. I don't know how good it was, but, like, we made it, you know? Totally. Oh, man. Yeah. Not, I remember that, too. That's like a huge part was like that, you know, it kind of teaches you some independence mm-hmm. early on in your life. I remember my mom would uh, generally work nights and she would come home in the mornings. She would sleep. And like we had to figure out how to like I could I knew where the cereal was. I make my own breakfast. Right, it was right, fine. Right. And also like, you know, entertain myself while yeah. she was sleeping so that I, you know, she could rest because she'd been up all night. Yeah. Um, but I also distinctly remember I got, there, <laughs> I went through this big phase when I was probably like hmm, seven or eight where I would insist on making my mom a lunch to take to work. <laughs> and what that would always entail was just like the world's worst salami sandwich. <laughs> that is what it entailed. So I would make her a sandwich that was like salami yellow mustard like neon yellow yeah, mustard the, yeah the, the worst the worst yeah i mean like i mean it's 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 fine it's, it's, guys it's, spicy brown or bust it's, it's for better, me personally it's but better than shit it's better than shit. Like, <laughs> exactly exactly but um and then this was the real this was a real <clears throat> tough part of the sandwich was that um my, and now i do this too which is funny you see like yourself and your parents but i'm like i'm not paying extra for shredded cheese or sliced cheese i'm gonna buy a block of cheese my mom did the same oh thing. yeah no yeah but Agreed. i was eight trying to like cut like slices of cheese yes. or a sandwich off this like block of cheddar cheese so they're like a weird million. uneven yeah, like yeah like oh just like a like yeah. <laughs> like a mosaic <laughs> mosaic <laughs> cheese <laughs> Of cheddar cheese sort of like <laughs> haphazardly laid on top of some salami slices. I love and uh, every time she told me they were delicious. That's very kind of her. I don't know if she actually ate them. I think I she mean, did. I, I, you know, I she bet might she have did. eaten I parts think, of it. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably was yeah. accurate. It's like, oh, well, this part was good. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of mustard and no oh, meat. But, you know. I forgot another excellent uh, aspect of these sandwiches. I didn't wrap them in like wax paper or plat or like wrap like plastic like saran yeah. wrap i would just kind of tuck them gently into a ziploc bag <laughs> so it's sort of a loose a <laughs> loose a loading sandwich i was inventing deconstructed sandwiches <laughs> before before it was cool i love that you gave me a, a pair of tweezers i could have been really really fancy yeah uh, anyway so um domesticity uh and all that leading us back to the Stepford Wives. Stepford Wives. We 
should clarify at this point that we are speaking about the OG 1975 version of this movie and not the remake from 2005. Uh, I, th- I, think it's, I think it's 2004. 2004. I, I, literally, I literally read the, the uh, synopsis like, this morning on Wikipedia. What garbage. And it sounds like a bad shit movie that does not understand what the movie's supposed to be about. Um... <laughs> Feel free to at me. This is not a this is not a thing that I'm like upset about, but you know. So the OG 1975. Yep. I had never seen it before. Yeah. What did you, so what did you I mean, I feel like I feel like you must have nailed it cuz separate is not like No, for sure. I I I knew what it was surprised about. You or- well, so I honestly wasn't sure exactly what like I thought it was more lobotomy than robot replacement. Um so that was uh that was cool. That was the technology of it was cool. The idea of like bringing in this like animatronicness. Also, like, really high stakes. Yeah. I feel like. Like in the uh, remake, it is like a chip in your brain. Yeah. Or, and like, so they're able to like undo it. Yeah. Whereas this one, like, no, you got it. You're you're all in. You're killing your wife. Yeah. The wife is dead. Yeah. It's a full replacement. Yeah. Mary, why don't you tell them what the plot is? And so, sure. Yeah. Well, I think most people know. I mean, this sure. is not. <laughs> spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> But it's a spoiler alert from 1975. That's right. But Stepford Wives is about um, our heroine Joanna moving with her family to Stepford, Connecticut, a little village um, after living in New York um, for, as far as we know, her whole life. Mm-hmm. And um, she starts meeting the other women that live in this town, and there's just something off about them. They're all very into cooking and cleaning and housework. And uh, making their husbands, like, inordinately happy in a very submissive way. Mm-hmm. And there's also this shadowy men's organization. Men o- the Men's Association. <laughs> men's Ceremony. <laughs> men only. And uh, her husband joins this. And she starts to be worried that something will happen to her to make her a Stepford wife. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So and- that's, the, that's the basic upshot. Um and so this was a novel first by Ira Levin, and he was inspired after reading um, the feminist, the feminine mystique. Yeah, Brita Friedan. Yep, or uh, Betta, Betty. Betty Brita. Brita. <laughs> That's a new name I just created, I think. <laughs> but um, yes, so it's a it was kind of a science fiction spin off the uh, second wave feminist classic, and, and actually the thing that launched second wave feminism yeah, often uh betty Friedan's uh feminine mystique so Friedan, if you're not aware um had uh had an ivy league education and then she got married and she felt like she was and didn't work she was yeah. or she wrote but she didn't it wasn't she wasn't a career gal right and she started to feel like there was something missing from her life so she reached out to her um the, the women that she went to college with, they, they all went to Smith. Ooh. And, uh, I like that. I know, right? Like that women's college plug. At their 15th year anniversary reunion, she like started talking about these things. And then she basically went around and um, collected a bunch of interviews with various women that she knew who had, you know, career aspirations and wonderful educations. And basically was like, you're you're like an upper you're an upper middle class or rich woman, why are you unhappy? Yeah. And try to kind of figure it out. And it was supposed to kind of start off as a, um, it was just going to be a, like a, an op-ed kind of piece. Yeah, Sort yeah. of thing. But she got so much information that she published it into a book, which was wildly successful. Yeah. So this was, and, and what she gets around to. I, I would like to real quickly note uh, that second wave feminism, uh, 
is not enough. It is historically uh, not intersectional. It's white feminism a lot. Um, and it is concerned with decidedly upper class issues primarily. Right. So unhappiness while- versus versus like basic human rights. Right. And so yes. while like, of course, those things matter they are definitively not close to being the only thing that matters. And Mary and I understand that, but this is about a movie from the 1970s. So anyway, continue. Right, right, right. Um, so in it, she the, the feminine mystique itself is the problem that has no name, which is why if you are a woman that has lived up to everything that you're supposed to be, why are you so unhappy? Yeah. Um, and what she gets around to basically is that... Uh, in society, women are led to believe that housework and homemaking are your is a replace is a a viable replacement for having a career, and in fact, the preferred replacement for having a career. Yeah, absolutely. See, it was it it was, and in some circles, still is the expectation for women. Absolutely, and that you know, for some people, that might be fine, but for others, it's not. Yeah, and that. It's important to, even if you don't have something, she she puts it in stronger terms, but I think generally we can all agree, if you find yourself, like in your life, you need to find work that is meaningful to you. Absolutely. And generally, at least you need some of that work to be external to your personal life, which is what I think motherhood and wifedom fall very, very strongly under. Yeah. Um, And I think in the end, her message was good. She basically ended it by saying, you know, everyone needs to find meaningful work. The, one of the best ways to get exposed to that sort of stuff is to, to seek education, like make your education a priority. Yeah. Um, and, you know, avoid getting trapped in the feminine mystique. Yeah. Um, so so that was good. That's all very well and good. Indeed. Indeed. It is important. So the Stepford Wives is like a science fiction basically telling of what happens when you start to you start to literally trap people into the, like there is no option except the feminine mystique yeah this is forced upon you yeah um as as like these men replacing uh their wives with um domestic goddess robots yeah uh betty for dan actually thought that uh it was a ripoff of the woman's yeah, movement she hated, she hated both the book and the movie I, I think she felt like it was like ripping off her work and not like uh and and like satirizing something she thought was really important but i we disagree there's also been enough space for us to like see very clearly that like art that talks about issues uh, can only help. Uh, it promotes discussion. It's yeah. Also, like, come on, like I I want movies to talk about my uh, feminist anxieties and stuff. Yeah. No. I mean, and I think so. This is a novel written by a man. This these movies aren't. This movie is made by um, by men. a screenwriter mm-hmm. and a director who are both men. Um, but I do kind of feel like they've done the work. Like, so the writer uh, also wrote Rosemary's Baby, and he also wrote another book, which is Escaping Me, um, which is basically about women being gaslighted by husbands. Like, Rosemary's Baby's about that, a woman getting gaslighted by her community, which yes. includes her husband. Something about, like, don't speak or, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm real helpful. So he, so he clearly was very interested in this sort of thing. And uh-huh. I feel like there are, so they're cool references. Like, it's a cool thing for, I think, him to read The Feminine Mystique and then be like, but I'm a novelist, and now I'm going to write about, like, use that. That knowledge and then transfer it over into my yeah, own work. Absolutely, I think it's a really cool piece of satire, and yeah. it, it it's a gorgeous film that um has aged a lot thing. better than uh than much other media. I I definitely recommend it. And 
You can watch it for free on Amazon Prime. What I also think is cool <coughs> is I feel like there are like little and we can't we'll not even be able to get into all of them. I don't think for sure. this time because there's probably stuff that like just totally went over my heads and maybe you are as well. Yeah, we ended up uh, watching this like three times uh, yes. in order to prep. And every time I got something new out of it. It's, exactly. It's a beauty. It is also... Unfortunately, in this podcast, we don't get to spend too much time talking about cinematography, uh, but it is it's a it's a gorgeous piece of cinematography. I can see exactly how Jordan Peele was influenced by it. Um, I understand why people keep going back to it. Filmmakers, script writers, because it. Yeah, it's a captivating piece of work. Yeah. But I think that it's so when we first meet Joanna, our, our heroine, our hero, she is sitting in her empty New York apartment. But the first thing we don't see is her. The first thing we see is garish, yellow, jungly wallpaper. Mm-hmm. And I refuse to believe that is not a callback to uh, Charlotte Perkin Gilman's short story, The Yellow Wallpaper. I am positive that it is. If you haven't read that, um, you should go read it. It's also a very early work of feminism. Um, very early work. 18th mm-hmm. century, or 18, the 1800s, yeah. right? Like, yeah. And uh, Gilman is a cool lady, too. Yeah. And about, um, about you know, men trapping uh, their wives into basically prisons. So, you know. Right. Yeah. It's about, uh, it was about, <coughs> she took, so uh, Gilman herself suffered some postpartum depression. She was put on, quote unquote, the rest cure, which is, which was a very popular thing to do for women to cure them of their, quote unquote, hysteria. Uh-huh. Which basically meant that they would go out to the country. They would live in a room that was basically like, a bed and that's You're basically it. an invalid. Yeah. And they would spoon feed you milk mm-hmm. and you were only allowed to be stimulated, quote unquote, meaning like talk to other people, read, paint, draw, have access to anything like that for two hours a day. And the rest of the time you were just supposed to like hang out. And it was mostly, it basically was designed to like break women. Yeah. So that you'd be like, I would rather be, I would rather like overcome my depression and pretend that I'm not sad than be here any longer. <laughs> right, Jesus. And in the story, um, this woman uh, is in this room that has this terrible yellow wallpaper and she starts to um, she starts to have kind of a psychotic break and she believes that there are women behind the wallpaper creeping around on all fours and she peels off the wallpaper. And, and she becomes that woman. And she becomes that woman creeping around the yeah. room. It's actually quite scary it's, when you read it. Yeah, it's super good and creepy. <laughs> it's super good and creepy. But I think we open on yellow wall. Like, I feel like the people no, who made intentional. this movie. Yeah. yeah, that's not a mistake. That didn't just happen. This is one of the most famous short stories, like, ever. Like, no. And I think and I think it plays off well, too, because we kind of when we were introduced to Joanna, we don't really know why they're moving explicitly. Um, But everyone keeps telling us it's because of her. Like her doorman says, you know, like they have this lovely doorman who's like, they must. I'm going to miss you. Yeah. Yeah. Because they left their kids with like the doorman's hanging out with their kids without the parents. Like must clearly like, you know, someone in their life that they they trust and know. And he says, you know, yeah, we'll miss seeing you around. But like you're going to move out and be happy. Mm -hmm. So we get this idea that there's something going on. Yeah. That somehow this will solve some problem that um, as the movie goes on, it's not clear that Joanna even has like I don't. She does not know why they moved. Yeah, I think if she's unhappy, it has definitely nothing to do with where they're living uh, and more to do with um, uh, the the inequality that women are experiencing and uh, maybe having a kind of shitty husband. I don't know. We're, we'll, we'll get there. We're, yeah. Yeah. So what did you think about Joanna? Like, how do we how do we characterize her? So I, I, I really like Joanna. Um, she is very approachable. For an audience that uh, isn't really sure how they feel about feminism, because it's not like she's like fully bought in. She's not a fully liberated woman. Um, she's 
She's very pretty and easy to look at. Um, she's, uh, I mean, she's, she's a great Ross, mother. She's Catherine, the Ross. daughter from The Graduate. He's, but she's, but she's beautiful. And the way they they've done her makeup is her eyes kind of turned out, look like they kind of turned down in the corner, so she always looks a little bit like sad. Yeah, to me, she seems sort of like a straight down the middle, like middle class woman. Yeah, like she she, she was, has her own interests though. She's some photography. She's smart. And she has, she wants to be a photographer. She's an aspiring photographer, but she feels like deeply insecure about that. When people talk to her about it, she's like, she never is like, I am a photographer. She's like, well, I, you know, I try. Yeah, I, hope, and I hope maybe I, yeah. one day, like uh, 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 all, uh, uh, all the qualifiers that we still know very well as being uh, pretty uh, female uh, or minority focused, basically people who are not in lots of systems of power are generally like, let me apologize for my existence and my and my hopes and my dreams. <laughs> exactly. Um, but she's a good mom. But she's a good mom. Uh, she's two daughters. Yep. And um, you get the sense that she, like, sees an injustice in the world and in her marriage. And it makes her angry. But she doesn't, she doesn't fully, really know what to do about it. And she doesn't really fully committed to her own power. Like, she yeah. knows it's wrong. But, like, she, I don't know if she could, like, sit down and, like, chart out for you why. What, yeah. What was the problem? She's Yeah. She's still in that early awakening. Like, if you asked her if she was a feminist, I think she would give you a tentative yes. Yeah. And I think she, I think it's it's going to Stepford that forces her hand. It's being in a place where, like, yes. that is decidedly unfeminist, is decidedly unliberated and very conservative that, like, forces her into action because um, she needs a community. She suddenly doesn't have any sort of community. And yeah. so she looks to the women because the men are in this men only club that they are meeting up every night and uh and none of these uh, we'll get there but most of the women don't seem interested i wonder why <laughs> um so when she moves to stepford uh she becomes fast friends with one of the also the only other non-robotic women uh in the village this gorgeous and captivating <laughs> bobby six foot tall she's so amazon tall. yeah and she's and and she's just instantly captivating because yeah. she's very charismatic, vulnerable and charismatic. And like, I'm looking for a friend. Are you this person that was written about? Like, like just instantly a fucking bucket of fun. What's really fun, too, about Bobby is so they meet. They meet when after um, Joanna has talked to um, this, this local like, crone reporter. Yeah, this little like yeah, this, uh, this who writes like a little local paper. And like, it's small enough that she covers like when new people move yeah. to town. It's for the ladies, she says. Yeah. And the the reporter asks Joanna to tell her all about herself. And mm-hmm. Joanna's like, well, there's really not much to tell. And then the woman immediately is like, well, okay, tell, tell me, me about, about your, your husband. husband. Yeah. Which I don't blame her for in that moment because, like, Joanna's not giving yeah, her much. Yeah, she's not offering anything. She's like, what, me? I am I am nothing. I am a cipher. I'm <laughs> I a boy. Like, don't worry about it. Don't worry. <laughs> but, when Bobby, but when Bobby strides across the meadow that separates their house, she is asking about the little tiny pieces of information that Joanna and it did give. She's like, are you Joanna Abelhart? <laughs> Avid shutterbug who misses the noise of the naked city? Yeah. From an ex-Gothamite who's not adjusted yet, because I am too! Yeah, but it's really cool it's to see lovely. that Bobby, like, even though even Joanna is not able to sit, like, kind of confidently stand on her own two feet and be like, this is who I am. Bobby, no, Bobby's instantly like, I'm sure you're a great photographer. I want to see yes. your work. Have I seen it before? Like, no, 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 you're awesome. Like, we should be friends. And like, it's great. It's it's exactly what she needs. Mm-hmm. Someone to kind of scoop her out of her, like, uh, partially self-imposed at that point isolation. Definitely not imposed in the way that she's not choosing to go to Stepford. <laughs> but like, she's also not like, 
She hasn't tried to go and meet any of the women in no. the community. Uh, she's more just like kind of stewing in her uh, unhappiness that she has been moved out she's here. Moving. Yeah. She's moving. Yeah. We've all been Which there. is fine. We've yeah. All been but there. that's what she's doing. Yeah. So Bobby kind of snaps her out of that a little bit. Which um, is great. And I think part of the reason is you get the sense that Bobby has been... You get, you know that Joanna's marriage is not good. Like yeah. you, there are like there are definite red flags. Yeah, but you get the sense that Bobby is in a worse marriage, and you get the sense that Bobby is has been a wife and an unhappy wife longer. Yeah. So you get this idea that even though there are things about Bobby that are very traditional, like her husband is the only man that she's ever slept with, mm-hmm. and she has like older kids, so you get these, but she's probably about Joanna's age, so you get the idea that she got married pretty young. Married pretty young, yeah. Yeah, she seems to have like really good instincts about things like she's the first one to really name that there's something wrong yeah there like joanna knows it too but like bobby's not afraid to like have wild theories about it well she's the one who says like first like i can't figure out this burke it's like the maids have been declared illegal and the housewife with the neatest place gets robert redford for christmas and believe me if that's the prize i'd enter but nobody can tell me what the contest rules are and i'm like yeah no i fair like and that's one of that's that is Still within that first time meeting, like the first conversation that they have, because she walks into like a messy kitchen. I it's love like a it. second home. <laughs> Yours is missing the nice peanut butter handprints on the cabinet doors, but don't worry, Stepford wasn't ruined in a day. <laughs> it'll come. It'll come. <laughs> it'll come. Um, so she's like not a ringleader. She's like definitely, I think, falls into the the category of like best friend. Yeah, like, she's like supportive, but I do like that you get a sense that she has. Like, she has a lot of anxiety. She's been thinking about this and stewing about it a long time. Yeah. And almost is less afraid to name her fears. Yeah, because... Than Joanna. Yeah. Well, because... And also, Joanna, because she's been moping, like, she sees things that seem, like, a little bit weird. Like, she sees uh, her neighbor husband... Uh, the neighbor, the neighbor's husband, not her neighbor husband, her sister husband, <laughs> brother, brother, sister. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Come up behind like uh, the the Van neighbor, Sants. the Van Sants. Uh, Clara is uh, cutting, um, doing some trimming outside. He comes up behind her and just grabs her tits from behind and turns her around and like opens up her shirt basically and like looks inside like it's all very odd and then she like wanders away and he like looks very self-satisfied for a while there's a lot of smug (laughs) self-satisfied looking men in this movie and it's always grating because i'm like basically endlessly endlessly self-satisfied white men yeah Um, but um but i like bobby is one of my favorites in this and it it breaks my heart when eventually she is botized yeah the bobby bot is very sad yeah and 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 because and and what's so sad about it is that when you meet these other women, they're already robots. So you, you don't know who they were before. But Bobby, like in the car with Joanna, is like scared, worried that something's going to happen to her, doesn't want it to happen to her, doesn't want to become that person. And so when Joanna finds her and she's become that person, it's like, it's just even crueler, you know? So sad. Yeah. And we have one other, we have one other human being, one other human woman in this, uh, in this story. And that's Charmaine. Yeah, um, Charmaine, who's out there on the tennis courts. She's Ginger from Gilligan's Island. Uh huh. And she's and she's a, and she's kind of a bad bitch. Like she, you she's know, she's a babe. She's able. To, she's a good player. She uh, she's interested in. Yeah. After after a little while, Joanna's like, we should get some consciousness raising. Have you have you have you explored women's lib? And uh, they try to raise a group, and Charmaine is 
the first person we asked even vaguely interested. Um, so yeah. she's also looking for a community. Was not as lucky to have Bobby just like find her instantly, but you know, right? Whatever. And I feel I feel like we kind of have we kind of have sort of a, a spectrum, which I think is very relatable for women. Like you get the idea that Charmaine. Charmaine knows that, like, her marriage isn't right also. Like, yeah. all these women are aware that their mar- their marriage is also falling short of their expectations. Yeah, absolutely. But Charmaine is sort of like, I'm a trophy wife. I knew I was going to be a trophy wife. I didn't know it was going to be this terrible yeah. to be a trophy wife. Yeah. Um, I don't think my husband's ever loved me. Yeah. And she's, like, on this edge of sort of this existential crisis. She doesn't really have a reason to to go on. Yeah. So I think like on the spectrum you have um Joanna who just seems like annoyed all the time by like by the things she sees and like and and perturbed. Like that's like the main emotional response I get from her. Yeah. Bobby is scared and Charmaine is depressed. Yeah. <laughs> like that's sort of Yeah. If you were going to centralize down like how they feel, you know. They're all like probably shades of depression, but like yeah, Charmaine is like basically yeah. like I know that this is my life, but I hate it. Joanna's like, but like, why is my life like this? And Bobby's like, what's going to happen to me? <laughs> like, right. And I think it fits, it fits in nicely with everybody else. Like, I think, totally. you know, Joanna probably is the way she is because she's so insecure. Whereas Bobby is like very afraid that someone's going to come and try to change her. Yeah. And Charmaine is just like, well, she doesn't even see that coming. It's not no, even a, cons- she's, a consideration. It doesn't even occur to her. Like to her, the worst thing that can the worst thing has already. Happened yeah. She's already she's already in her worst case scenario. Yeah. She doesn't even consider that it could get worse. <laughs> Which it can, guys. It can always get worse. Um, Tropism has taught us that. Oh, yeah, never, never, never say I think we've bottomed out. <laughs> that bo- there's always a false bottom. There's always a false bottom. It's always a false bottom. <laughs> it can go deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do want-, want to read one more a Bobby oh, quote ahead. just because she's the very best, which is like when she's first introduced herself uh, to uh, Joanna, I was like, you know, still kind of like, I don't understand and I'm not one of these housewives. You see, doctor, the problem is, given complete freedom of choice, I don't want to squeeze the goddamn Charmin. <laughs> it's great. It's just great. I love her. I just love her. She's got such good energy. Anyway. Totally. So, want to talk about the Fembots a little Hell bit? Hell yeah, I do. So, we do meet a lot of these, but the one we get to know the most is probably Carol Van Sant. Um, but but there's like a there's like a, a bevy of these women. So you know that it's pretty pervasive. Yeah, and also about Carol Van Sant, like the first comment we hear Walter make is to Ted, and he's like, Man, she cooks as good as she looks because she brought over casserole and that's just like the grossest fucking thing because the things that I'm valuing about you are what service you can provide me and how good you are to look at. Well, right. And I think that what the what these women or these robots provide us with is sort of this like completely unedited view of what their husbands want them to be and what yep. the other husbands want them to be, which I think is even more interesting. Yeah. Obviously, we don't think that this is what every husband thinks. I don't even think this movie thinks that this is what every husband thinks. It's just that this community of men, when given this choice, have made this choice. That they would rather have um, fembots than wives. Yeah. So what are these fembots like? So they're sort of these, they're domestic machines, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Hot, uncomplicated, and just endlessly pleasant. Like blank-faced pleasantness. Vague. They're vague humans. Yeah. They're they're completely designed to make their husbands' lives easy. They handle all the like, an, like antiquated, uh, wifely 
jobs like cooking and cleaning and caring housework caring for their homes yeah and they're like uh and they're and, they're and they are obsessed with the housework like it is and it it seems because of what happens to them it's like their husbands don't want any ambition or autonomy from from their partner to interfere with what they want in fact when charmaine uh is turned uh, and by turn i mean when charmaine's killed and replaced <laughs> when charmaine uh, is murdered yes yeah. uh the Fe- charmaine fembot says all i ever thought of before all I ever thought about before was just me. Well, I'm here to tell you that's all over. Ed always hankered for a, a war, a, like a heated swimming pool, and now that's what he's gonna get. It's Instead like, of my tennis court, which we're destroying with a bulldozer, which is which is such a good symbolism for like just destroying someone else's like hopes, dreams, motivations, desires. Is like watching them bulldoze this thing that was like her one piece well and also is what allowed her to stay a trophy wife yeah like that's what how she stayed in shape but now she's made out of rubber so it doesn't matter mm-hmm. now she's, we don't need it anymore yep um so it's, it's like a weird thing i thought it was really chilling that so, uh, so these things are very <laughs> i mean there's lots that's chilling about it but one thing that was that i haven't hadn't really thought about until i had to watch this movie closely is that so these are these are marvelous machines, right? Like yeah, they totally. are very advanced. They can drive. They can do high level. They're like, like Western world level almost yeah. uh, robots. The, like they, I don't think they have as good improvising, obviously, because they get stuck on their loops and like their other right. problems. They're glitchy. They're glitchy. They're glitchy. But they can like they can like drive. Yeah. Like they can they can um they can have sex. They can have a conversation, like a complex conversation with somebody. Like, we don't have robots that are this advanced yet, even. Um, But what's really interesting about them, and I kind of always thought of them as just, like, having any sort of, like, emotional processing edited out. But now I don't think that's the case. Because it's like... It's like all of their values have been twisted, but mm-hmm. they still have emotional responses to those values. Like, it really bothers the robots when they don't bake. Yeah. It really bothers the robots how long it takes them to iron. They think they should be better at ironing. Yeah. And when they can't, they feel bad about that. So it's sort of like, it's sort of like, like the men could have edited that out. They could have made sure. them completely emotionally void. And still, and have gotten, but they want these robots to still feel pain, which yeah. is really messed up. I know, it totally is. It's really messed up. It totally up. is, because without any autonomy, you can't, like, I don't believe you can experience real joy. Uh, that might be a hot take. I don't, but, like, whatever. Uh, life. Um, but you can certainly experience pain, and, and, and they do. And also, they're designed to not really care about things like feminism. Like, when no. uh, when they try and consciousness raise, none of the, none of the fembots are interested. And um, it's funny because it does, again, I don't know why Freddie, Betty Friedan didn't like this, but it, it makes you, it makes me think of white women who vote for Trump, uh, people who like let themselves be totally simulated and controlled. And it's like, dude, like this is only going to hurt you. But, um, yeah, why are you? but they've already been hurt. Like the, the person's already gone. Yeah. Um, and spoiler alert, the robots are the ones who kill them because the men don't have to get their hands dirty. Yeah. So it's also weird as I feel like so the kind of pain they, they say so they don't they don't experience physical pain at all. We know that for, for stuff we'll dig into later, but yep. they don't experience physical pain. What they do ex- ex- uh, experience is shame. Yep. Like they're ashamed of themselves. And what's also weird is I don't know if they're all like this, but it's heavily implied that Carol Van Sant's uh, fembot 
carries over shame she herself had that her husband can now use to always have the upper hand in their relationship mm-hmm. because her being a robot is not enough. Yeah, no. Uh, she, um, apparently Carol was an alcoholic or at least her husband. Told, her husband I'd thinks... Like, I'd like to believe her husband her thinks, husband she thinks she's an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the many things, I guess, he wanted to change about her. So after uh, she gets into a car accident, Fembot, uh, Carol, um... She then glitches out later at a party and is going over just saying to everyone, I'll simply die if I don't have this recipe. It's very, very creepy and lovely. Um, and in order to, like, av- avoid any suspicion that it might arouse in the, like, only three human wives or whatever, uh, he's like, I told you you couldn't drink like this. Why would you do this? And, like, and instead of just being like, Oh, she's had too much drink. I'm taking her away. Like, in, like, scolds her in front of people as though, like, that performativity is not gross. Like, if I saw a guy scolding his wife at a party for, like, even if she was drunk, I'd be like, dude, like, back off. Like, it's, like, take her home if you want to. But don't scold her in front of people. Don't shame and humiliate her. But, no, nah, that is, like, his way of, like, controlling the situation. And he must enjoy it because, like, that's, that's his choice. That is what he chooses to do. Fucking yeah. creep. I do think there's also an element of this, like, I think that it's a little bit like, how dare you remind me that you're a robot? Yeah. Oh, fair. No, that, that like, yeah, how, it how makes d- him, like, how angry to be at, faced with the with the reality yeah. of the situation. Yeah. Like, how dare you not? You make my life, you're designed to make my life easy. Why are you making it complicated? Yeah. I already edited all that out of you. Yeah. So what's really I also so also these robots have sex we or we at least overhear it we never see it but we overhear like, it and we're also told by Carol like after because we find out that there was a feminist uh, consciousness raising group uh, that Carol had started who was like a high powered boss bitch and when they go and visit with her Joanna and Bobby are like what she happened? remembers that too yeah she's like oh I just got bored you know like. I think we all did. My life is more fulfilling. I've got more to do. And they're like, housework? And she's like, why, yes, I like a beautiful house. Also, not that it's in your business, but our sex lives are better, too. And it's like, yeah, also, it is in anyone's business. And why did you just volunteer that then? Like, it's one thing to be like, I know you didn't ask, but TMI, I have a banging sex life. But that's not the way the robot talks because she's a robot. Anyway. Well, and I think it's also shorthand for a lot of women because a lot of women have to really, like, work with their partners very directly to have a good sex life. Yeah. Um, and and these women like yeah the the one time we overhear sex the it's the, effortlessly the good. is saying things like oh my god no one's ever touched me this way before you're god you're the master which you know foreshadowing but also like ugh, ugh. right and it's sort of oh. like these robots are designed so that the men don't have to like their response to-, to male insecurity yeah they don't have to like the the, the these these robots unlike the wives will enjoy the bad sex that the men are giving them versus the men having to do the work with their partner to figure out how to, how have to good please sex. them. Yeah. yeah. How to have good sex with them. How to not, not just, just treat them like a, a warm bag of Vaseline. Yeah. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, totally. Although I bet that's kind of what these things are. Yeah, no, um, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but I think what really... What, it's also really weird. I don't think the fembots are good moms. Like, no. and not just from, like, a standpoint where I'm like, you know, they won't inspire their children. Like, I don't think that they care about motherhood at all. And I think they care that- about appearances. It's entirely about appearances. Like, right. all these kids, when when uh, when when Joanna's girls get on the school bus, all these kids are, like, dressed very, like, uniform. 
uniformish without having required uniforms. Yeah, that seems that's one of the things. Like, in fact, that's something Walter kind of yells at her about. Like, why don't my kids look as good as those other kids? Yes. Yeah. Why do my like? I work eighty hours a week and my kids look like they're on welfare. Which classist asshole guy? Come on. Also, he calls them ragamuffins, which hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, what? <laughs> Come on. Also, but, their kids look great, by the way. Yeah, they, they look, look like kids. One of them is Mary Stuart Masterson, amazing looking yeah. child. Yeah. Um, so I don't even understand. Like, it, it's very clear to me that like the men don't even appreciate what potentially is the most. Like, if you have us, if you're a stay at home mom. I think most people would say the biggest, the biggest job is raising my children well. Like the yeah. biggest job is like being there for my kids and help, helping them like become the people they're going to be. Like that yeah. is caring for and loving them. That's like a huge part of it. And these fembots are not capable of love. They don't. Well, they just and the men just don't care about it. So yeah. it's just edited it's not out. their priority. Yeah. Like these fembots can do all kinds of stuff. If you can drive a car, you they can care about maternal, a kid. But, but they, they did don't. Not. Yeah, they don't. So. I think it's just kind of a it does it functions two ways in the narrative where on the one hand you have this sort of like hollow sense of traditional values where like if these if we were just really was a return to like tradition you'd be like well they're going to be the most excellent mothers that have ever lived because that's the job of a woman which I don't believe but like okay yeah but they don't do that no they don't care about that at all no so it's like very sinister very sinister indeed and um Joanna is actually a very good mother. The thing, the reason she's she ends such up such a sweet mom. The reason she ends up dying at the end is because, because she's a good mother. She's unwilling to leave her two daughters in Stepford. She which, has to take them with her. Which is fair. They're girls. What could their future possibly be? Like, although, like, you're like Joanna, just leave. Like, your kids are going to be okay. Your kids are going to be okay at least for now. Yeah, like come you back. Can always with the cops. come back. Yeah, come back with the cops. Yeah, yeah. But she's not willing to do it. Um, no. And they know that about her and they use that for her, like, to... They, they use that to trap her. They use it to trap her. Monster. Um, which is very, very sick. Which is very sinister. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, so what is edited out? Like, right, we've talked about a lot of what, like, what these women are. Maternalness is edited out. Basically, like, um, intelligence, drive... And emotion and and emotions that would negatively impact their husbands and cause them to do work are all edited out. Yeah, and I think that yeah, that's... the shame is to help motivate them to continue to be great slaves. Exactly, and I th- and I think I think slave is a is, is, is the, the appropriate term, term here is the term. because yeah they have trapped and like weaponized these um these pieces of technology and replaced their wives. It's real creepy. And I think what's really what's really like the gut punch of that is. You know, when you think about the fembots as a representation of domestic labor, they don't have emotional labor. Like, that's completely gone because they which just is, are designed to do this work. Which is wild because men need an emotional labor. That's the thing. I think ultimately these men would probably still. I mean, I don't. it's a satire. It's hard to know. But um, I, I feel like you feel like men, especially at this time, really craved other people doing their emotional labor. <laughs> Um, so I, well, I kind of, I almost see it as, so, you know, generally how I think about domestic labor is, you know, you, you, you hopefully, if you have a partner, you hopefully split that even as evenly as possible with your partner. Um, and then like the work gets done, right? Like the work there is like the great the greater toll of doing the work is thinking about the work and feeling responsible for the work and paying attention to when the work has to happen. 
I f- I'm much more stressed out by the concept of being like I'm the I would be much or I would be much more stressed out if I was the only person in my house who ever mopped the floors from an emotional standpoint versus just the actual yeah it's action. not the it's not the physical labor of it it's yeah. the expectation and the fact that you are balancing so many other things and like why why is this what your life uh, is being judged by and amounting to exactly so like the emotional side is real work so when I when I make a nice dinner. I want my partner to feel love because that's the emotional labor that I have done. I yeah. love him, so I've made dinner, and now we're going to eat it together, and it's fun. But right? I also mean, like, the emotional labor of, like, like, I mean, I guess these fembots listen to them, you know? It is weird because I see them having these conversations with, with their fembot wives, and it's like, how can these people not just be incredibly dull, you I know? I mean, I don't think that they really talk to them. Well, like, I mean, yeah, they just sit with them at parties just yeah, to, like, I don't think that they the really talk to them. Um, and I think that like the biggest, like one of the biggest crimes these men do is undervaluing, uh, undervaluing emotional labor. Hell yeah. As a concept. Hell yeah. Like that, that is like a, such a gut punch as a woman watching this movie because women do get saddled with a lot of emotional labor all yeah, the time. Yeah, to not value that at all to even consider it is just, or just be like, it's well, that's, insult to injury. that's, just be like, well, I mean, it's their job. So why should they feel emotions about it? Yeah. Like that's just what they do. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. It's horrible. It's horrible. So what's cool? What's cool about this movie is that the Fembots all, I want to call it like pioneer clothing. It's all very ruffly and like up to the neck, very puritanical almost. It's um, uh, it's that return to Victorian yeah. dress that was popular, that was pra- prairie dresses and like yeah. hot, very po- ruffles, like ruffles choked everywhere. with ruffles that was very popular in the 70s. And the liberated women, uh, especially Joanna and Bobby. Or the people, Bobby, just the women. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. The humans. The humans. The human women. Yeah. Um, dress like the seventies. Like Joanna looks fucking. They both look killer all the time. Yeah, uh, they wear like flared pants and crop tops and hot yeah. pants. And at like, one point, like Bobby's wearing this top where like it just like you know it it just ties around like basically where her boobs are and which is f- she has small tits. It looks great. You they know, never wear bras. They never wear bras. All very you know great seventies yep. whatever. And then when Bobby gets transformed. She has these fucking giant tits that at first she's like, oh, it's a padded bra. And you're like, fuck you. It's not a padded bra. And um, yeah, they all they're they're sculpted. Their hair is all long. You know that new Bobby is is uh, you know that new Bobby is in trouble because the Bobby bot is not her. because She's wearing a bra. Which yeah, it's really funny. Right. Um, and also like super like <laughs> super like second wavy. Yeah, where it's like don't wear our bra. And you're like, and some women are like, but I but I have to. Yeah, right. Come it on. hurts so much more not to wear a bra yeah. than just to wear a bra. Big, big boobs are different from smaller boobs. Right. Uh, Mary and I are on the other sides of the spectrum on this one. Yep. I, I really enjoy wearing bras. They're a good, good idea for me. I, and um, I enjoy wearing them because I like faking that I have tits. <laughs> I'm not I'm not anti-bra. <laughs> um, but I do love... So <coughs> the clothing was kind... That is such a cool portion of this and I think really rich. And it was totally accidental. Well, it's not totally accidental. It wasn't meant to be. Initially, they were going to have the bots dressed like they worked at like a Playboy club. They were all going to be wearing like mini skirts and go-go boots and like i think that would have been really distracting and not like not well, in keeping with can, the message if you want to see it you can see it in the new one because that's the way they dress that's um, crazy because like <laughs> that's the th- that's the thing about making your wife into a fembot is you've you've got to really want a lot of control to not want your wife to be human and if you want that kind of control you want to be able to dress them when you want you want to be able to like like pre- cover up what is yours and then to like you know take off their top in the middle of like your uh 
your yard to look at their tits. Um, they're for your they're for your eyes only, but everything. But they're like also incredibly feminine and yeah. like, hyper femme, and like have a difficulty moving around because there's so much ruffleage and things yeah. like that. But I think it kind of calls back to the Victorian idea of like being the angel of the house. Like that's what oh, the wife yeah. is supposed to do. And I think it's really cool. The reason, so the reason that they, they, it was scrapped that they did not, um, they did not have them dressed uh, like playboy bunnies is because um, the woman who Nanette Newman, the woman who plays Carol Van Sant is married to the director. And when he was thinking about this movie and they, they like had this, like they both got married when they were 17, these people in real life. And they had just, like, this long love affair. Like, they just, like, were obsessed with each other mm-hmm. for their whole lives, which mm-hmm. is very, very sweet. Um, we so, should all be so lucky. Exactly. And so when um, when he was asked to make a movie, when he was, you know, selected to make this movie, um, Forbes was like, well, obviously I'm going to cast my wife as one of these because she she's perfect to me. Like, mm-hmm. she's a perfect wife. And that's what this movie is about. Yeah. And... Nanette was like, I am absolutely not going to wear a miniskirt in this movie. Yeah. Absolutely not. I, mm-hmm. That's not that's not what I do. That's not my thing. I'm not doing it. And he was like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then the, everything switched over to her style, which is is very much that. But yeah. it's like, obviously, it's like amped yeah. up to yeah, like no, the it's, most it's, ridiculous it's a satire degree. of it. You know? Right. Like, it's the most ridiculous degree, but I think it works out really beautifully. It and does. I kind of love it that it was a um, a husband in a, in a like, uh, like completely objective position of power he's the director of the movie mm-hmm. having a conversation with his real life wife who is um, in a who's lower on the totem pole as an actress right yeah. he probably could have gotten her to wear it yeah. right but he was like no i respect you we're not doing that like yeah. you don't no i'll change the movie for you and yeah. for the better yeah God, for the better happened. for sure yeah um but i do like i love the way they dress it's it's wild yeah um and as a as a lady who likes a long maxi dress i'm like I would wear some of those. <laughs> it's like it's like I totally understand it. I would not be um, waxing my floor in it. No, but, fuck no. But yeah, but well, I I'd go out to dinner dressed like a step for wife. And that's the other thing. Like uh, they wear a lot of makeup. I I like wearing makeup personally. I do not wear it every day. I do not just wear it for class. I'm currently I, not wearing makeup. I'm ca- not currently wearing makeup. Um, except for whatever didn't wash off my face. Uh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but um mood yeah <laughs> whenever uh whenever joanna like comes in and sees bobby she's like you're not in the plaza now why are you wearing so much makeup like because it just isn't bobby's style it's not like she's shaming bobby for what she looks like it's that this is not bobby also bobby's like my husband's let me lose some bergdorfs i just bought everything he spoils me don't i look amazing i had a man like uh, hit on me in the lobby. That's never happened. And like later it's on, justifying Walt- my being. Yeah. And later on, Walter's like, I mean, yes. Yeah, so she. So what? She looks like a woman. And now it's she's, like now she's not a slob. Yeah. It's, oh god. Ugh. Crazy. Fuck Walter. So a part of the the bodification of the women, like there's kind of these steps that's clear that the men's organization follows. Yeah. And the first thing that they do is they meet the they meet the living wives. They draw them so that they can make a model yeah. under the auspices of just like creating beautiful art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just like it's just like famous. Uh, it's supposed to it's be in in world famous. Yeah, it's supposed to be like um, the guy who does like illustrations for Vogue. I think okay. like you know yeah, like yeah. those like those model the yeah, model yeah. like drawings. There's a term for it, but like where like you have those like long, elegant, beautiful women, and so he does these these beautiful um, renderings, yeah, drawings of them, and uh, so. 
And what? by the time this, by the way, this entire time they're getting gaslit, like the whole men's organization comes over and it's like, oh, Joanna, like you should join us. And then they don't listen to a single fucking thing she says. They have an intentionally dull conversation while like this guy is sketching her and he's sketching multiple sheets and then gives her like one bit. like, in case you're wondering what I was doing, here's what I was sketching, you know, it's a gift. And so like you see these sketches in every woman's home. It's clearly like the mark that they've, that they are. They either have or they're or they about will to be be, become a bot. Botted. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just kind of an interesting commentary on the male gaze that like that not only not only is that absolutely what's happening to these women, like these women are getting like distilled down to the male gaze, which made me think a lot about uh, yeah. the Love Witch. Yeah. Um, a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, also check out the Love Witch. Yeah. Listen to Love Witch. If you enjoy this one, listen to Love episode Witch. Episode 10. Um, but it's also about like the women need to be thankful like like it's a, like all the women who get the drawings like frame them they they value this this is a beautiful thing a world famous artist has drawn their picture and yeah. they look beautiful in it yeah and so that is something that like the women need to be thankful for even though it's like going to lead to their murder yeah well and after it's so funny because after that conversation when joanna and walter are up in the bedroom you know they're talking and she was like she's like this isn't me, like, pointing to the drawing. She's like, and what you're saying isn't you. And she's wrong. It is him. But uh, but yeah. I I loved that moment of, like, no, but, I mean, like, she even is recognizing, like, yeah, it's a beautiful piece of work. It's not me. Yeah. It's not who I am. I think it also sort of shows... So she likes that guy. Because she does. Because he's another creative. Yeah. And he's interesting to her. And yeah, and he and seems I, kind. And and I think that this movie um does a good job of kind of calling to... calling pointing out the places where men are able to trick women into thinking they're on her, their side. So she likes him just because he's not like a boring um, businessman like mm-hmm. everybody else. But like he's literally drawing pictures of her preparing for her murder. Yeah. <laughs> like he is not trustworthy just because he has an interest or a talent. And it reminded me a lot of probably because I was thinking about Rosemary's Baby. It reminded me a lot of like I've never just, seen it. So let's not spoil it. No, I won't. <laughs> but like but another movie about a woman getting gaslit. Directed we should by watch Roman, that, by the way. Yeah, hundred percent. Directed by Roman Polanski. Blah. So Blah. you have just because he created this piece of art that is interesting and like I think very helpful for a lot of women does not mean he's a good guy. No, I think that's a that's a perfect uh, alignment. Um, I there was a time when Annie Hall meant a lot to me. I will literally never be able to watch a single fucking thing Woody Allen did ever again. Like, fuck that monster. Yeah, I do think Woody Allen's worse than Roman Polanski. In the worst Olympics. I I mean, right, right, like, at that point, like, no one's winning. (laughs) Even us, what we're talking about, you know? It's true. So eventually we get to see, so we know, you know, obviously we're surrounded by the bots constantly throughout this entire movie. But we get to see the bots in their true form at the very end when Joanna comes face to face with her Joanna bot. Um, who's the scariest thing? Oh my god! It's like full on horror. Mm-hmm. She's she's exactly like Joanna, but with bigger boobs and no eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be no eyes at all. Um, but they weren't able to do that because, uh, even with giant black contacts in, like you're you're gonna have shine there. Yeah, but um, I think it's just as creepy just being like like it was supposed to be like an empty skull. That might have been too much for me, honestly. But I think it's way creepy that it's like the shiny, like no eye blackness. You know, Ugh. Ugh. it makes her look way more alien. Yeah, I yeah. think that either would be effective. I think we're supposed to believe that 
they take Joanna's actual eyes yeah. and stick them in her head. Which so it's, which it, yeah, which I think works either way. If yeah. you don't have an eye, like obviously it fills that void. But like, but if or, you, if you have placeholder blackness there, because yeah, I think that makes more sense anyway, personally. Yeah. But yeah, so it's 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 very scary, very very scary. I loved the I loved how uh, there's like subtlety in this movie. Like it's so it scans her. She's wearing like uh, the bots wearing like this like. Um, Sheer negligee. Sheer negligee with, you know, and her, like, erect nipples, like, giant yeah. tits. Yeah, and they just show you her boobs, and then you, you, you're you seeing it from Joanna's perspective, and so Joanna sees this terrifying thing that smiles at her, and then she looks down, and she notices it has bigger boobs, and then it goes back to her, and she's like, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> which, like, no one's like, she doesn't say, there's, she's not exposition Sally, she's not like, and you made my body more pleasing to my husband. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, you get that. It's such like, a violation. Yeah. yeah. Right, and like you know that every woman in the audience got that, yeah, which I think is very nice. They don't clobber you over the head with it. Yeah, and that's what it, I mean. It's it, yeah, it's it's definitely a movie worth watching if you haven't seen it. Yeah, um, I don't know how I went so long without seeing it. So before Joanna uh, is eventually murdered at the hands of her um, her fembot of her replacement, exactly. Ugh. She does have a probably the most famous scene in the movie is when she it kind of confronts the Bobby fembot and stabs her. Yeah, and it's her se- like it the first time she meets Bobby fembot, like in order to like avoid like arousing too much suspicion, she's like, okay, bye, you know, whatever. But then she goes back there because um, she's looking for her kids because she's been told by her therapist that she needs to run, which she does. And uh, she goes over and visits, you know, Bobby Fembot and like just cannot cope with the fact that this woman does not recognize her. It's not her friend. It's not like the person who I think genuinely if this movie at all has any love story to it, it's between Joanna and Bobby. And I don't mean and that in the, the non-platonic way. I and, mean like. Spoiler alert, in the book, Bobby kills her. The Bobby bot kills her at the end, not her own robot. Oh. Which they couldn't, they they said it was just when they wrote it, they were like, we can't, it's going to be too painful. Yeah. We can't no. show people that. No. Um. So that scene, like in the, with it, the idea is that she, she wants, she's, in the book, she asks Bobby if she can cut her, the Bobby bot, if she can cut her, she doesn't actually stab her. And then, um and hands her a kitchen knife to like prove prove to me you're a, a human by like cutting the hand and then the bobby bot like advances on her with the knife and that's where it cuts so you know that like she stabs her to death which is really horrible Shit. yeah they didn't they didn't want to do that i think that's fair they didn't want to do it um yeah so joanna's kind of like go- breaking down she's like do you bleed i bleed and like cuts her hand and the bobby bot's like not really responding it's like what's wrong well, look with at your you? hand yeah yeah. And so then she um she stabs her and it's it feels very Shakespearean this like um you're my love and you're not and like I am so like torn and traumatized by that because it's not like she just stabs her see if she's bleeding she stabs her somewhere that would be like near fatal if not definitively fatal well, she doesn't stab her in the gut she stabs her lower she stabs her either in the vulva or the uterus like she yeah. stabs her in the so this is a second wave of feminism Yes, yeah, so, which was very concer- concerned with ideas of biology of being bi- destiny. Of and, biology lines. Although yeah. I do feel, so So clearly when she says, but do you bleed and stabs her in like the yeah. vagina, right? Yeah. Like that's supposed to be like, are you a real woman? Do you have a period? Do you have like the thing that defines us along biological lines as women? Right? Obviously that's regressive and short-sighted and whatever. Right. Although I do feel kind of, it's interesting. I think that the sci-fi element of this um, kind of like forces its hand into a more progressive place where fembots are not 
women because they're machines, not gendered. Yeah. It's like, are you a biological human or are you not? Yeah. Which I do enjoy. Like, I think that you, I think you could have this exact same, if you wanted to make a remake, you could have this exact same scene. You would just make it about biology and not about, like, body right. parts. Right. Which I think would be fine. Yeah. It would be fine. Um, Like, yeah. So, um, what's really upsetting, too, about this is that. She stops her. The, the robot takes it, the knife out and then just, like, cleans it off and cleans- hangs it back up. Yep. Ugh. Um, and I think that the what's really upsetting about this is that community in this story is built around um, the women validating each other's experience. Do you think something's creepy going on? I think something's creepy going on. Yeah. Do, you don't. Are think you I'm, unhappy? I'm, I'm unhappy. unhappy. Yeah. I feel crazy. Do you feel crazy? Yeah. Like those sorts like, of things. Like, are we the crazy ones? No, don't say that. We're not crazy. Like, it's not us. Yeah. And so the bot not even being able to register that she's been physically attacked and then being yeah, like, I can't feel, I can't feel the pain you feel on such a very literal level. And then even more to the point, what's wrong with you? Why are you so crazy? But it's the wrong kind of, I thought of, you were my friend. It's like the wrong reaction. Like, it's like, she's like, basically just, she kind of scolds her and is like, why would you do such a thing? And right. like, gets stuck on a weird loop where she keeps on like pulling down a mug and like breaking it. I was going to make you coffee. Why would you do this? It's fucking bonkers. And I think that that, because of that, I think that one of the reasons, you know, because I I think uh, obviously there are incredibly selfish, like immediate reasons that you know, we understand that the men want to make their wives robots. They want it because they want to clean their house. They want it because they want a wife who is sexually submissive to them. They want it because they don't want to deal with feelings after work. They've had a long day. They just want to come home to a casserole and and just like not have to deal with another human being, which by the way, you can do that if you don't get married (laughs) or don't have a partner. Like just don't do that. Yeah. All those things. They want all the, they want all the perks, but they don't want, and that that's very selfish and like, and like, yeah, like on the surface. But I think that there's also sort of this undercurrent where they also want to neuter the women of having each other to validate experience. They Hell want yeah. to sever the idea of community. They, they don't want these women to get together. Um, no. And, like, and when, the, and when they do, these robot women are only capable of talking about like housework. It's like, it's totally, it's totally crazy and yeah. that the housework is what keeps them from the community sure the men like the perks but it's also a really good way to maintain the status quo because my wife can't have coffee with your wife because she's too busy doing shit that in fact that will that i will enjoy yeah no right? if, if, if women are too busy working uh in order to like you know meet these needs then they don't have time you don't have time to be unhappy you're yeah. just too busy. And at the part of it, community is all about validating experiences. It's yeah, all about It's all about saying, like, I am this kind of person. It, are you this kind of person? It's too? why we host this podcast, to create a space for other people yeah. to come together and be like, either, I mean, you're welcome to wildly disagree with us. But if you're here, you're probably at least interested in the same things that we are interested in. Otherwise, I don't really know why you're here. I'm still happy <laughs> for you to be here. But I mean, you know. Well, like, but you're validating our experience of seeing this media. Yeah, absolutely. You are saying, you might disagree with it, like, what our yeah, ultimate our hot takes, takes are. are. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you might think a fantasite is great, in which case, stop listening to our podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> please, please direct yourself. Bastions is amazing. <laughs> please, please direct yourself to the nearest constable. Because <laughs> 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 you're a creep. But, um, <laughs> but, like, you know, and I think... <clears throat> I think it's very reactionary. So we find out that Carol Van Sant was once a feminist and like a ringleader and did all the same things that Joanna did. And I think it's never explicitly stated, 
but I think it's heavily implied she was one of the first ones. Oh hell yeah! I think and I that, think her. I think that that was. She was like. She, I don't know if she was patient X, but she certainly motivated them because there were a ton of women. And about why? 50. Because she was organizing. Yeah, them. she was organizing women. She was inviting. They say she would. She gathered together. Um, a group and invited women's lib people to come out and talk and lecture. Yeah. yeah. And give lectures. So she was clearly, she was clear. I think she's, I think she was more woke than Joanna for sure. Oh, sure. At least she knew like, yeah, we need to do these things. Yeah. Still not woke enough because again, 70s and biology being destiny and white women's problems being the most important problems. You know, yeah, I'm super (laughs) fun. They were doing, they were doing the best that they could. Yeah. They were doing, they were, they were taking well, a, a I don't chip. know if they were doing the best that they, they could, but they were doing what they knew to do. They did the foundational work yes. that would immediately impact themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, right. So, Walter is Joanna's husband, and he comes into Stepford like her. I'm pretty sure not really knowing what this is going to entail for him and his life. Yeah, I think... I. I think he's heard good things. I think he went around. I think it looked beautiful. I think he was like, I want those lives. They were... And if I move here, I'll probably get that life. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll have more space. It's really, I think it's very fascinating the way that, like, these women are initially all given, like, something that, like, um, to incentivize them being there and staying long enough to, like, assimilate. Like, uh, well, Charmaine is given is a, a tennis court. Long. Yeah, four months um, is not a very long time. No, it's not. Uh, but Joanne is given dark room. Like they're, it's it's like they're giving these things that you know are instantly going to be taken away because um, they're they're just kind of well, their robot is not going to use them. No, for sure. Um, well, and I think that that may be even just a sign that like that the husbands when they move in think. I'm going to have a more domestic life. My yeah. wife will provide me with more of the things I want. And they probably think about it not even in those terms. They probably think about it like my family's lifestyle will be better. Yeah. Like when you think about traditionally why people moved out to the suburbs, it's like, I want a place where my kids feel safe on the street. Like it's like it's those like the path to hell paved with good intentions. Right. Like, well, yeah. And, and, they're it, just, and what it really means is white flight and taking away money from schools and like, you know, uh, shoring up your privilege and spaces. Absolutely. And, you know. absolutely. But if you ask them to explain it, I'm sure that sure. they would put it in terms that. Uh, and, and they do like, yeah. we, you know, our kid like our kids can be safe here. It's great. You know, like no crime, low taxes, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. In fact, when Joanna's like, because Joanna and Bobby decide that they're going to move. Um, and after Joe Bobby bought his come around, Joey was like, "So you're not moving?" She's like, "Why would I?" Same thing. Same reason. Clean water. Clean water. Clean air. Yeah. Um, but I found it very believable. So, one of the another really good part of this, I think, is that um, Walter is not a supportive husband. They, she, he, and Joanna fight constantly about how he makes the choices and she has to live with them. Like he doesn't. He. She says something along the lines of, you pretend to consult me, but you've already made all the decisions. Yeah. Like, you're just waiting for me to to agree with you. Yeah. You mentioned moving out to the suburbs. And I found out you were already looking for a house. You, you showed me this, this house, house and you had already made down payment. Exactly. Like, so you tell me about this men's club and you've clearly already agreed joined. to join. 
Yeah. So he's not, he's like not a supportive no. husband, but I would say like he's, surface level. He starts off like You understand why she would marry You would him. believably marry this guy. He helps with dishes some. They've got two I cute think kids. It, I think if it was modern day, like he would be the kind of guy who's like, well, I'm a feminist. Absolutely. Yeah. He'd be wearing uh, he the pussy self, hat. He's self, he's self-identified. Yeah, he would self-identify so, as a feminist, but he's not. But he's clearly not. Because, you know. And I think that this, like, it adds, like, good nuance to the story. Because instead of just making him sort of, like, a cartoony villain, you have, like, a nice guy. Like, a normal guy. Yeah. Anybody's husband. Yeah. Would do this. And every man. It's like, um, and of course, like, I think that um, the uh, the writer of this, I believe, also wrote Boys from Brazil. The Boys from Brazil the, about the Nazi clones. Let me double check that. But I saw a lot of sort of Nazi Germany kind of things in sure. this, where you have normal people doing normal people agreeing to do things because they're being given permission, like yeah, doing unthinkable things because that's what everyone else. Is yeah, doing. it's 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 what's been done. Um, yeah, the first time that, so we don't realize it at the time, but the 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 knights that Walter has been officially welcomed into the society and is told what the deal is. Uh, he comes home and he's crying a bunch uh, and not because he's not going to do it. He's just sad about the fact that he's going to do it. Uh, when Charmaine like gets killed, we see her husband like crying in the car and does it's like you're no state to drive. Just just relax. And the next day he's pleased as punch watching uh, the tennis court being ripped up and seeing his fembot wife wave at him like with a a dull, pleasant, vague smile, you know, like, ugh, ugh. yeah. Yeah, no, fuck, so fuck for Walter sh- coming home and being like, I'm really sad. Do you know how much I love you? I've already decided to kill you, but you know I love you, right? Fuck off, man. Yeah, no, he's definitely, I mean, he's definitely like the villain of the piece. I just yeah. think it's much stronger to show that like in the quiet moments when he really thinks about it, he absolutely knows it's wrong. Absolutely. He's not a monster. He's a villain. Yeah. Like he, he is doing Yeah, he's not wrong- a sociopath. He's, he's, he's aware he's he murdering his wife. He can help doing this. Yes. He does know better. He knows that he's supposed to do the dishes. He knows that making his wife, like, like replacing his wife with a with a rubber robot is is morally wrong. And yeah. And he still does it. Just, yeah. And this guy definitely did. Uh, uh, Ira Levin did write Boys from Brazil. Oh, cool. So he's, like, very clearly interested in social like social order and how that changes people yeah um something mary pointed out uh while we were watching this that i hadn't really noticed but it's totally right on is after after he's decided to kill his wife he starts to like pay less attention to her like and part of that to me felt more like gaslighting because she'll be like i'm gonna go on a walk and he's like what what are you doing like not looking up i don't give a shit but then immediately like like, dives to the phone and is like come over boys come, come over she's gone um but no he uh he also like it's that too. He also starts to convince himself that this is for the best because he deserves to be happier than he is. Uh, reminds I think me he's of, avoiding her. Yeah, but like, but but when um when Joanna's fucking freaking out about how her best friend is gone and there's this like fucking like drone in her place, he like gets really like salty and is like, I mean, when are things going to start sparkling around here? That's what I'd like to know. I mean, just look at the way my kids are dressed. And again, this is a ragamuffins thing, but like. If, look, if you paid a little more attention to your family, a little less to your goddamn picture taking, like, what? A, like, 
Because that's really the problem. Like he's he's there self-justifying that like the problem is that she's too ambitious and interested in the photos she takes. Like we see two scenes of her taking photos. It's not like she's constantly snapping her camera. Like fuck off. Having shutterbug. And it's and what's really funny is the very first time we take her see her taking a photo, they're in New York. Uh they're on the street. There's a man walking with, like, a plastic mannequin that's, like, arms are falling apart. He's, like, bending over and, like, picking him up. And her daughter's, like, you know, ogling it, basically being like, what is happening? And she pulls out her camera and takes a bunch of pictures. And uh, her husband comes down. And the kid's like, Dad, I just I just saw a man carrying a naked doll. He's like, well, that's why you're leaving New York. Like, the reason why he wants to leave New York is the same same thing that inspires her. And that, like... Oh, I didn't even think about that. That juxtaposition is, like wild you know that's really smart that's a really smart point i so what's also fun is i think they make it clear like just as the women like the the bots Mm -hmm. are all homogenous they're all the same i feel like they make it clear that when the men are in the men's association they also are all the same yeah and it's all about like peer pressure like yeah all the men all the men in the quiet and the dark cry when they think about murdering their wives, because they probably do love them. Sure. They married them for a reason. Yeah. And they know it's wrong. More yeah. importantly, they know it's wrong. But they have this group of men who are all trying to keep up with each other. And if the norm is you're going to have this kind of wife and we're going to give you that kind of wife, that's why they do it. Yeah. Um, no, when, when they're submitting to peer pressure. Yeah. No, when uh, right after Walter calls Joanna to bring over the guy so they can do the initial sketch of her. He hangs up the phone and he's like, oh, it's just like a big change. And Des is like, yes, but it's for the better. And it's like, yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's how they, that is how they justify it to themselves. Um, the Men's Association, uh, I don't know if we've talked about this, is, uh, it's the name of the group, but it is, it has the police chief. It has the, the hostel. It's all it has the all important these, like, men in town. Yeah. It has all, all the, the rich all guys. The, all the mucky mucks. All the uh, rich guys. Yeah. yeah. And and maybe like some some other rubes. It's not one hundred percent clear. Like um, the guy who like owns the grocery store. Yeah, it seems like them. he is like yeah yeah he is he is successful enough that he's also like um in on it. The guy who runs the pharmacy, you know, like anyway. And the way Walter describes it is he's like it's quite an honor to be invited. It means that you're somebody. Yeah, like to- like which is how all all self justification starts well no, all these organizations work right yeah like like oh I, you know i want to be i want to be in this club because that means that i'm as cool as you are yeah um and so you see kind of these men like when they uh what when they interact and as you see them scheming with walter to to murder uh joanna there's all these moments where it's sort of like like subtle subtle versions of Walter realizing that the robot that he's going to replace his wife with will be more attractive to these other men yeah. and he likes that like yeah wh- when um when they have the, the the men's meeting at the house so that they can like try to prove to Joanna that nothing is going on by being incredibly dull and like yeah. talking about like tag sales and like barn dances and deciding absolutely nothing yeah um I also like that the movie is gutsy enough to make that scene really boring so you really understand. Like, it's like goes on entirely too long. Like, it's so boring and, like, yeah. hard to listen to. And you're like, ugh. No, yeah. But you're th- just experiencing what you're experiencing. Yeah, yeah no, no. It, it, it's it's almost like hyper-realism in that moment because, like, yeah, you are, like, totally exposed to this droning conversation. Very naturalistic filmmaking. Right. And, but it's, like, very also visually uh, compelling because we're watching... Uh, we're watching her being sketched and her like face being kind of t- 
taken apart, like uh, the way that like he has a she, it's just like a nose here and eye there, like um, it's like her body is being, her down to her parts. Yeah, her body's being like cut up into pieces. Um, and then when she steps out, she steps out to like get another drink or something. All conversation stops. All the men stand up, and Walter goes and looks at the picture, and all the other men look at it too. And it's like he's like, "Yeah, that's that's." He's the, like, "Yep, that's her. That's the best version of my wife." And yeah. all the other men are like, "Your wife's a babe," from the picture. Yeah, like, that's it. So like you, uh, that I think is like the moment where you can tell that Walter is going to absolutely do it. Like, oh hell yeah! That is the moment where Walter decides that this is the right thing to do, and it's because you have all these other men basically. Uh, Nodding and confirming. Confirmation being, bias. Like, the best version of your... You will get... You want this because the best version of your wife is someone that I would find attractive. And like... Which doesn't make any sense. Why do you... Why would you care? I literally but, don't give... Personally, I don't give a fuck what other people think are attractive. But what, one of the fun things about being gay is that you get to kind of... Uh, you get to redefine what you find attractive. Like, there's a reason why queer culture... Uh, lesbian queer culture can... Uh, promotes dykiness pronotes androgyny it's partly because you're like no 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 i like all sorts of things and i get to choose what that is and it's not what i've been told is attractive whereas this is exactly the other end of that this is like what is attractive is very straightforward it is objective and it's something we all agree to well or we decide what it's all we yeah. not i we decide we, what yeah. it's going to be like i that too i always feel like it's weird when um when, By the way, like, that's not just a gay thing, but I'm, no, I'm saying I it, got you. But like, I think it's always weird when like people I know want me to think that their significant others are attractive. I'm like that. I feel very uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> with that. So that's very weird. Um, and so I would say you have all these men who just seem like weak and and like d- participating in groupthink and peer pressured into doing terrible things that they eventually choose to do so yeah. it, it's on them like, no it's, it's totally not, on them but like that's like kind of the social dynamic that i think they're talking about here yeah and then we have like diz who's the unmarried man he's in charge of the men's organization very sinister person and you get the sense that it's all kind of his idea that he like it clearly is because he's the one who knows how to make the robots and yeah he used to work at disney so he knows how to make so we're basically like living in a in a universe where, like, the Hall of Presidents robots are everyone's wives, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, and, they're, and they're also very much better than what they are at Disney, somehow. Yeah, when, yeah right? <laughs> so, um, so Diz has a conversation with Joanna right before she's murdered, where he's talking to her about, like, she asks him why. Yeah. Do you, do you have the notes? Because I, I do. Yeah, go want. for it. Um... Yeah, she's asking why, and he says, after telling her it's nothing like what you thought it was, which is gaslighting and bullshit, um, he's like, just think of it the other way around. Wouldn't you like some perfect stud waiting on you around the house, praising you, servicing you, whispering how your sagging flesh was beautiful no matter how you looked? And it's like, well, actually, no, I, I like having a human. Um... And also, and also my partner already tells me I'm beautiful. I would say he's not what he describes is really funny to me because it's like not something that you would need a robot for. No. <laughs> like at all. Yeah. Like which serving you potentially. But like But well, I think 
Yeah, this is a personal thing. I think, like, honestly, relationships are a lot of people taking turns doing the work. And taking like, care of each like, other. Like, right now, I'm going to get up and get whatever we need from the kitchen. And totally. next time, I'm sure you will. Or, if totally. or we have or we have defined roles about, like, how we show each other our love. Absolutely. Totally. And, totally. yeah, hopefully your partner does tell you you're attractive, no matter how you, don't you need, love. You don't, you don't need a robot. Hopefully they think you are. But, yeah, no, um... But do you think he's right? Do you think that if the shoe was on the other foot, do you think that we no. would do the same thing? I don't either. No, I. but I also think that that it might in part be socialization. Um, I think that women are socialized and broad brush guys, obviously. But I think we're socialized to value different things. Um, yes, because, I think so too. Because I think we're also bred to do emotional labor. Um, bred also not being the right term. But the point is, I think we are told to do these things. We are told to value different things. Um, and therefore, not. I think that, I think if you're going to make a stepford wives, what was like a stepford husbands, it would be a very different story. I do think that like, well, you could do a story, but yeah. I think, I think the difference really comes down to, um, and it, not to say that I think I have, I don't think any male I'm friends with, uh, well, I wouldn't be friends with them if I thought yes, that's they what they valued. They so, yeah. Well, I think it's just different, too, because I think that um, that the idea here, like, it's it's a hard thought experiment because in if if it were completely flipped and we lived in a matriarchal society, then, yeah, probably because absolute power absolutely corrupts. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. But we don't. So it's really hard to know. So his he's he's basically created an argument that doesn't make sense. Well, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a logical fallacy because um you yeah you can't right you and, can't play in that world. And also, like I guess the version of that would be like everybody would have Charmaine's marriage, which makes her deeply unhappy. Like right, like the version if you're considering like standard traditional gender roles, you would create a man who's really good at making money. Yeah, and like really good at like providing you with a beautiful home. And kind of all these women already have that. Yeah, they definitely of, do. And they're of, all very affluent. And none of them are happy. None of, yeah. So I, I, I kind of wonder if it's also sort of like daring, daring you to consider whether or not these robots actually make these men happy. I mean, and 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 that's kind of what I feel like I've 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 alluded to is that it's hard for me to believe that long term they do because like I think that guy enjoys kind of yelling at his finbot wife not just because like he's she's reminding him that like she's a robot but also because like. He he enjoys kind of like punishing her. Um, I don't know. I yeah. We mm-hmm. we all got our things. Um, another so another interesting aspect I think of the men's association is that there is gentle in, in, like intersectionality of it. I've been thinking a not, lot about that, which is not would not have been typical for like a men's club. Like there were definitely so the the I say gentle because we get the implication that we were told that the first black family is moving to Stepford. And we get the implication at the end that 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 the that the black man has, will has jo- or will join the men's association and will do this to his yeah because they're having this they're yeah having at the very end they're having store. like this loose argument in the grocery store where she's basically like I like why are we here and he's like give it a chance it's it you you see it all happening all over again because right. and Bobby's cycles. husband is Jewish and yeah. he's part of the Marco which is upward mobility <laughs> for Mark Horowitz right yeah. like he's he's Jewish so and he's allowed to join and I, I think it's more tokenism though I think it's more like potentially. people who want control and collecting and like collecting these robots like they also want like they want to feel progressive they want to like have the one 
black member. They want to have the one Jewish Prob- member. Probably that's how Diz feels about it, for yeah. sure. To me, I think it's it's to imply, and it, this is very second wavy too, mm-hmm. that like Anyone any would do man this? would do it. Yeah. Any or any human would do it if yeah. put in a position where they were led into a group. Like, kind well, I think Nazi second Germany. wave would say any man because again, very That's, concerned with like what right. male and female and being very bio- 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 biological. Listen, I'm not saying all second wave feminists are bad. I'm not at all. I'm just saying no, that like did, I mean, that, stand, that was what existed. We that stand was what on their there. shoulders. We of stand on their shoulders. Yeah, yeah, they did great stuff. Um, but. Yeah, yeah, we can do better. Though. We can we, we, can we do can, much better. We are going to expand on that. Yes, um, and I get the sense too that this is a little bit uh, more kind of commentary on Nazi Germany in the book. The uh, black family is a much bigger deal, mm-hmm. um, and it's made very clear that the wife, unlike Joanna and Bobby, has a career. She's a published children's book author, and she writes. She's mm-hmm. a writer, and the last scene of the book is her talking about how she's a deadline and she's not going to have time to make dinner. And she asks her husband to take the kids to McDonald's. And he is reading this book called Men in Groups, which is, um, which I, I keep meaning to buy. I want to read this book, but it's a, um, it is a academic text. So it's very expensive. Yeah. So I always like, I'm like, do I really want to spend $60 on this book? Like I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm basically waiting to like find it at like a half price book. Sure, that I'll absolutely. Buy it. Yeah. But, um, and so, and that book is basically about how individually people will have strong moral compasses and will not do bad things unless you are, um, a sociopath or a psychopath. Like, you have to have chemical things that alter you significantly to kill people. Yeah. Is, like, is the theory of the book. And that, but if you're put in a group, you can be a totally normal person and you'll do all kinds of terrible things. Yeah. Which, uh, enough thought experiments have proved. Um. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, absolutely. So, I think that the end message of this is, even though this black man, first of all, has to deal with being, like, the only black person other than his wife and their kids... That currently lives in Stepford and being otherized just <coughs> just as the women are, right? Mm-hmm. Like just as they're also they're also a minority. They're also people that th- they do not have the power. Patriarch doesn't always accept them. But I think it's to imply that if because he is going to be led into this group, he will also do those things, even though he has experienced his experience might be closer to Joanna's Absolutely. than Walter's. Yeah. So I he's, think he's he doesn't have the same white male cis privilege that the other yeah. white male het cis privilege. Yeah, right. Yeah, what? And even if he knows he knows about this, <laughs> right? So he's reading this book. Like, he's, yeah, he'll still be susceptible. He's still susceptible. Like, it's really hard to escape escape yeah. these traps. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. Agreed. Um, so a lot of people think. I th- or a lot, based on what I've read, a lot of people think that this would never happen in New York City. That if they hadn't left the city, that this is an, a, a suburban problem. I think that we're definitely supposed to think that. Yes. Okay. Tell me why. Um, just because uh, this the way that this movie is structured, the city is associated with um, with freedom, with independence, with vibrance, with you know, she says to him Noise like, and- if, if we were in Manhattan, you wouldn't have given these boars the time of day. Like you wouldn't get so sucked in because you're so uh, exposed to everything else. By being so insular, by being like so confined, it's much easier to uh, to brainwash each other, to participate in that kind of group think. Um, 
that is what I feel like the movie is saying. I think that's what it's positing, that this is very much a, because we've already taken the step forward, because we already want this other kind of life, because we're already like buying to like this American dream, this lifestyle that that we're we're taking our first step. And then, you know, the next step and the next step is, you know, in, in contemporary society, in reality, it's more like upgrade your wife, you know, um, stuff like that. But here it's literally replace your wife with uh, a perfect I mean, literally robot. upgrade your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, when we first meet Charmaine, she was like, she says something like, my brain isn't processing or oh, the, the Charmaine bot. Yeah. It's really. Yeah, my, my, she's like, I just can't. I, I can't bring my thoughts together. Or yeah. Something like that. It's, it's some computer speak. And it's like, mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm not, I'm not completely sold. And the reason I'm not completely sold is because of the mannequin. Because at the beginning, so you see the, the daughter identifies the mannequin as, as a, a woman, na- a naked lady. Yeah. And that's just kind of accepted. And I think I think we have this kind of this question lingering. I don't I think this would have happened no matter what. I think that Walter, if given the, the same sort of people in the city, oh, I, yeah. would have done the exact same thing. I, I don't think that there's any... And I think that that's kind of really cool. Because, like, a lot of this is about the suburbs and how dangerous it is. It is, but I think that it's more like... Because this movie is trying to talk about, like, the housewife. This movie is talking about the feminine mistake. Right. This movie is talking about, like, this right. kind of, like, so they have to entrapment. Go to the but, um... They have to go to the birds. And that's why I think that the movie is saying this. But I, you know, yeah, I don't I don't think Walter... I don't think it made him a fundamentally different guy at all. No. At all. And... And I don't think the rules are fundamentally different in the suburbs versus the city. The yeah. yellow wallpaper is in the city. Yeah. She keeps talking about how she misses the noise of New York. But when you see her first New York apartment, it's dead quiet. Yeah. It's so quiet that when we watched it together, you were like, is the sound on? Well, it, yeah, it does seem like the sound yeah. is like cut it's just out. cut. Yeah. And they have, so the mannequin, and then they also have this, do you know what a Santos cage doll is? It's no. um what it's, is that? Well, it's it's a it's actually a very valuable and traditional antique. It's from um the 17 and 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um and it's Spanish. It was created basically in um for people in rural areas who did not have churches to make their home altars with. I don't know why they made these dolls this way. They're based on like drawings like drawings that um priests a century ago made in Spain. For Catholic, like Catholicism, yeah, the illuminated like, like religious iconography. Yeah, and what they are is there's they're um, they're usually kind of big. The one in this movie is big. It's like I would say maybe two feet tall. When is it in the movie? It's in their living room, and it moves around, so you notice it. Like I, Ooh, it's weird. We'll have to go back. <laughs> it's weird. How do I watch this movie three times? Not you know. Um, but I notice them because they creep me out. Yeah. So what they are usually, or the ones that I've seen, I think that they can have, I think they can, ha- there are men and there are like children and there are animals that are like Santos cage dolls. But the ones I've always seen are women and mm-hmm. they're dressed in sort of like plain muted colors and they have arms and head and a torso that's carved out of wood and then a big skirt that's made out of like a wooden cage. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do. You, I, I look at the things. picture. So yeah, 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 yeah. You've seen these things, and like I think the idea was you would put this like on your home altar, where mm-hmm. where you would like you know talk to God, and you would tuck things in the skirt. That's why the skirt is a cage. Yeah, but I feel like. This is like something that like in this context of these stories and the women always have very like these dolls always have like really placid, serene, sort of sad faces. Mm-hmm. So I think that the Santos cage doll is sort of supposed to um, 
supposed to represent both Joanna and her like eventual gutting. Like, yeah. Like she's not. She's just going to be like a torso. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Um, and that came from their New York apartment, too. So yeah. it was already there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel it just seems to me like it seems to me like it's not something that's escapable by location. There's not like a there's not like an easy fix for this. This is pervasive. Oh, absolutely. Poisonous. And it's always it's always it's going to be there. Yeah. yeah. The patriarchy exists in New York City the same way it exists. And sure. the scenes where you see her like talking to the guy, like the oh gatekeeper. Oh my, yeah, no, the gatekeeper, the the photographer in New York, uh, who not the photographer, that the she, gallery like, that owner. she basically like begs to validate her. Yeah, and and, he, and then like, he's does like so like in like the cheesiest like and most... then it's very condescending. Yes, like he's like, well, what I really want to know is like, what do you hope to get out of all this? It's like. What does anyone hope to get out of making art? To communicate something about myself? To share my experience? She also to talk like, about something? I want to make money. It's my career. She's like, fuck you, man. What do you mean, what am yeah. I trying to get out of this? You own a gallery. Commerce. Whatever you want me to say. Asshole. But yeah, yeah. no. He definitely is a part of the problem. Also, when she meets, like, the... um, So, Bobby gets really worried that, you know, there's Bobby something in the water. there's something in the water based they go on, in, like, like, a trank, basically. Yeah. They go to uh, see her old chemist, and not only does is he condescending and dismissive, she's like, are you happy? And she's like, yeah. He's like, I'm happy, too. And then literally writes a note on the test results and hands it to her that's like, I'm not happy either, with an underline. It's like, fuck you, man. <laughs> like, just such an eye roll. It's he calls such an eye girls. roll. He, like, makes it seem like Bobby's crazy. Yeah, where did you find her? Without knowing anything about the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's all very... More gaslighting. And he's actually the one who introduces the idea that he was like, if there was something in the water of Stepford that would make women clean house... They would bottle it and sell it, which is like such an interesting for me that it's an interesting take. Well, and that for me, that connects it into capitalism. Like that's when the switch flipped where I was like, oh, this is actually you could totally see this movie from a different perspective altogether where it's not about like gender roles. And it's really more about labor and capitalism and who does the work and why they do that. That is definitely a huge component because I think capitalism is. We've talked about this before. Go check out our alien podcast. But I think capitalism is literally the form of control that, like, uh, that that engineers our oppression. I'm not. Listen, I'm not saying I I have a better answer. Um, I'm saying that there probably is a better answer, though, and we could probably find it. Um, I know it's only game in town right now. Whatever. Still, You're not the only game in town. Socialism seems to be working pretty well. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. that kind of sent me on this deep dive where I started looking into how we think about um, domestic work. Mm-hmm. And like, so like really what he's saying is, you know, like I was thinking about it. I was like, well, if that were, if that were true, like these men literally have done that. They could be selling these robots. Yeah, they could. But Instead they don't. Instead their wives. They, they don't. They don't. They don't want their wives. They want. They want. Well, they don't want... They want a wife that is entirely dependent on them, entirely submissive, does not complicate their life at all, and then, like, will will be joyfully fucked by them, whatever meager, meaningless, or bad sex that they uh, throw at them. Um, well, I think what I'm getting around to is they don't want anyone else to have these wives that are not in their club. Yeah. They want to maintain the status quo and also maintain the upper hand by only 
only having that. That's why they don't want to mess. It is keeping up with the Joneses on such a serious level. Because well, and it's also gatekeeping. They don't yeah. want they don't want poor men to be able to replace their wives. Mm-mm. They want only the rich people that they know directly to keep them keep the pool small. Yeah, keep the power localized. Yeah, the one percent, um, the very very top. So that's me on this deep dive. So um, Charlotte Perkins Gilman, woman who wrote the yellow wallpaper. Yep. Um. So she's like she's like late eighteen hundreds, and basically she gave birth to a baby. She had postpartum depression. She underwent the um, rest cure. It permanently scarred her. I believe she that. ended up taking. She ended up actually like she is like a success story of Joanna. She ended up taking her baby and fleeing the East Coast, going to California, and being a writer for the rest of her life. Yeah. So she like escaped basically, yeah. and one of the best things she's ever written, I would say, is like right after she did this was called The Study of Economic Relations Between Men and Women as a Factor in the Social evol- in Social Evolution. Mm-hmm. And in it, she talks about like what capitalism and what the status quo tells us is your husband has the career and then your job as the wife is to maintain his home and it's an equal division of labor. You just support your husband so that he can make more money and then you have more money. Mm-hmm. And she basically was like, that's nonsense. Yeah, because that's not what actually happens. That's nonsense because if that were the case, your husband's career would directly pay the wife or the wife would be a shareholder. Right. If she was an employee to the company just as her husband would, that's how it would go down. But that's not how it goes down. No. And she goes on to talk about how that because of that, because there is no like monetary like qualifier for being a wife, that it becomes a duty as opposed to a career. Yeah. And that is different. (laughs) That is fundamentally different. A job is different from feeling like it's something you have to do. You're you're like designed to do a job that you choose is different from an expectation that is put on you and traps you. Um, and beyond that, even when we, there can be no idea of a rich wife, because even if she was like the most skilled homemaker, mother, whatever in the world, we undervalue and underpay nannies and housekeepers. Yeah, like, we, we don't like that's it's, capitalism rests on the fact that people have to do the work we don't want to do and make less for it so that we can have more people have to have some people have to have nothing nor for others to have everything. Yep. Scarcity. Um, and that you have sort of and it's like an undervalued thing such that if you do have a rich husband, the reward for the wife is that she does less work. She hires another woman to come in and do her work for her. Yeah. Whereas a poor person, a poor husband's wife has to do all the work herself. Okay. So you have sort of this you have this like concept of of um, of duty. And then that <laughs> trans that trickles down to. The, the better off you are, the better off your husband is, the less you actually have to do the work. So the whole thing is like built on like a false mm-hmm. base. Like mm-hmm. none of that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you were really good at making casseroles and that directly impacted how well your husband could work and his like economic worth, then those rich women would like be like master. They would be like uh, like the master housekeepers in Downton Abbey. Yeah. They would like run stuff like they yeah. would have. That would be their job. But that's not if you're they're actually like Charmaine. They're actually playing tennis all day because they have servants yeah. like they yeah. hired somebody else to do all the work yeah they outsource it which if you think about it i feel like this duty versus work game is like played out for all pink collar jobs 
That's the reason people think it's okay to underpay teachers. Yeah, absolutely. That's and that and then that's why if you're a CEO, you don't really have to work very hard. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the more money you make, the closer you get to the money, the less is expected of you. Yeah. And I think that you were talking about that Robert Redford line that Bobby said gets exactly at the heart of this matter. Yeah. That you have this this concept of work, this never ending work, and there is no definable reward gold or goal or reward yeah at the end of it yeah and so it's it's never ending and therefore you're never free so if you wanted to expand the story out i think it's about corporatization of life Mm -hmm. about of 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 the american dream and life in general and you could say that all the housewives the the housewives the house bots Mm -hmm. represent everybody in a global capitalist market where we we all uh, we are all like clean and emotionally uncomplicated and mechanical and unbothered by things that we should. That be. is what we're asked to be as as worker bees, basically. And we're completely disconnected from the endless work that's in front of us. It's not important to us. That's why they're not mothers. Yeah. That's why they're not programmed to be mothers because the, they are supposed to primarily serve their boss, who is their husband, not their children, who that they could that could cause problems, right? Yeah. So they're uncomplicated in that way, just yep. as. You're you're encouraged as an employee to fear and maintain your loyalty to your boss over your coworkers because yeah. your coworkers don't hold the purse strings. Mm-hmm. So you're you go to your boss first. That's the person that you're that you maintain your loyalty to, mm-hmm. which is really cool. That's yeah. really cool. And like, and we've been talking about this stuff since 1898. That's when this book was written. That's when that's when Charlotte Perkins Gilman was laying cold hard facts on yep. us. And now we have Make America Great Again. That's what this is striving for. Yeah, no. Uh Yes. Yes, this um it's interesting. There's this line where uh Joanna is asking Bobby what she thinks the men's association does. And um, Bobby is like, you know, look at porn, reminisce about the good old days. And Joanna says, what good old days? Yeah. And that made me think so much about Make America Great Again. Mm -hmm. Because it was like, because everybody who was troubled by that was like, when were the good old days? What are we, what back, what, what past, what is the time that we are going back to? Because there isn't a time before now where people had, where there is an equal, more equality, you know? Obviously we're not at equality yet, but we're definitely closer than we were in 1898, but we're not necessarily that much closer, you know, whatever. I'm Women vote, kind of, kind of, <laughs> Black people vote, kind of, kind of, when when your vote is not entirely suppressed, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, so I, yeah. I I thought about that a lot and this idea that, um, you know, they talk about the castration fear. That that's like why men fear women or whatever, because women want to take away your power or whatever. But I think it's more that right now in politics where we hear Donald Trump saying things like men need to be afraid because women could just accuse you of doing something that you've done and you could have to face consequences um and it's it's wild because that that i think is part of this that um joanna when she does not want to just comply and conform she uh she upsets the potentiality of her husband's life and therefore it's almost like a fear thing like it is how you get to justify murdering your wife is like 
I mean, but she was going to destroy everything. So I had to get rid of her. You know, she was right. going to make me move. I mean, what, what a bitch. She was going to cause problems. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway. Mm. Crazy. Yes, indeed. Yep. So let's end as we always do. Well, uh, uh, is this important? Is it feminist? Do we recommend it? Yes, it is important. Uh, I think it, well, it was arguably the first movie that overtly dealt with feminism. The uh, first horror movie or science fiction movie that overtly, like it's, it's, right. it's, it's heralded as, as, as that. As women, we understand that many things engage in feminism because women's stories engage in feminism because of quality, whatever. But it was heralded as the first movie to overtly uh, engage in um, in what was culturally uh, very relevant at the time, what remains relevant. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's not entirely inclusive. It is not broad enough, but it's definitely worth watching. It's also a beautiful piece of cinematography. Um, it's also just it's a piece chilling. of the conversation. It's, I mean, I yeah, think it's it's one piece. It's like I think you can always, you know, not <sighs> movies almost that or a piece of media that try to like try too hard to like you got to bite something off. Well, right, and 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 I. Specificity I have, is I have power. Been, specificity is power. It's um, it's doing the work. It was our problem with annihilation. Not to plug another episode. Well, we need to like fight. We need to fight for there to be a broader, more diverse range of specificity that we look at. Absolutely, but there's it's, nothing wrong with being specific. No, absolutely, one hundred percent agreed. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a movie worth watching. It definitely is worth having a conversation about. Um. And I really enjoyed it. Me too. I'm surprised that when it came out, um, the feminists at the time did not like it. <laughs> I, I, I don't I love understand this. that. Yeah. No, I, you know, you can go back, you can read the New York Times articles about this. Uh, yeah, it's it's very fascinating to me. Um, I, I think also, though, other people telling a story that's similar to what you told, Betty Friedan. I totally understand why Betty Friedan, like, freaked out. I totally get it. Sure. But I, I think that there's plenty of pie. There's there's plenty of problematic shit for us to talk about. Um, that you telling my story one way is not does not invalidate me telling a story. I listen to tons of podcasts. I do not present other podcasts that do anything similar to what ours does because there's plenty of pie for us there's all. There's plenty of pie for us all. Mm-hmm. Also, it kind of feels like a little bit like how dare they understand the problem. Right. And I think it's really weird. Like, I know that it's different to read something versus see something. So I, I, I do maybe, maybe it was that. But I think that um, so many of, so many of the feminist issues are there. Like, it's anti-woman and anti-human. And I'm like, that is the point. Like, that's what, life is anti-woman and anti-human. And they're showing that. It's not, it's showing, but yeah, it it's not endorsing. promoting. I don't it's think in- at the end you're like, well, we should all kill our wives. Let's move to Stepford. Let's do it. You yeah, know? it's not. Hilarious. It doesn't make it seem it's like it's like a glamorous choice. Nope. So I don't really get that. Um, but you know, to his, their own. history, history finds. I, I think it was probably a little bit before its time. Oh, I'm I'm positive. It, I'm positive it was, but it is definitively still a great piece of cinema and has uh, influenced and inspired many filmmakers to come. Yeah, I mean, Get Out would not exist. Yeah. Very openly. Yeah. Um, uh, Jordan Peele says it would not exist without, uh, yeah. without the separate wives. The OG wives. separate wives. Yep. Um, I also would like to plug a great book that I read um, basically when we started this podcast uh, that talks a lot about the separate wives and, and makes a lot of excellent points called you, uh, you Play the Girl. 
by uh, Karina Chocano. It's a great book. If you, Dope. it's uh, it's basically the author is talking about her own like her own like you know growing up as a woman and and with media and she talks about the stepper wives and how that like played into it and she she goes all the way up into like train wreck and how like weird and regressive that movie is and, like yeah. all kinds of stuff and it's very very interesting I liked it a lot I recommend everyone read it excellent um, but yeah I I think that you know stepper wives definitely for me was like a movie that I saw when I was a kid. And I was like, whoa, like, that is a thing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You said it was like kind of like helped make you a feminist in that moment. Yeah. Or I, at least I think it showed me it, that it, it, showed it crystallized me. things you had already been thinking yeah, and feeling. It allowed me to see. And I think that this is like kind of why I feel such a disconnect with the feminists of the past who didn't like it. I like knew about feminism. I knew feminism was important. I needed to like see and, and I believed in it. Like, yeah. you know, I had I, I preached as a choir. Yeah. But to see it kind of given to me in sort of like a campy pop culture pill, I was like, oh, this is like it makes this... it very digestible. Well, and it also like helps you think about things in different ways. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, of course, everyone thinks that people are human. And then to have that called into question with something like this. Yeah. Makes you makes you inspire different neural connections and it allows you to like question the world that's around you in new ways you can't you know it's we don't (laughs) just because a topic is important doesn't mean lowbrow media is not allowed to to approach it especially if they approach it in a way that is helpful (laughs) yeah absolutely it's okay so, as we mentioned, you can watch this right now on um, Amazon Prime. For a really long time, the original version of The Several Wives was not available at all. Yeah. Like, you could watch it on YouTube, maybe, <laughs> which is wild. Yeah. Um, or, like, rent it from, like, one of the three video rental places still alive. But um, now it's available, so you can stream it. I would recommend you watching it. Um, and if you want to go back to the text, um, we've got a uh, Amazon link to the Separate Wives book by uh, Ira Levin. And if you buy it, we get some of the cut, which is delightful. And I'm sure also Ira us. will appreciate the support as well. Yeah, you'll be supporting uh, two, two, two groups. Kate, what are we doing next? We're going to watch The Arrival. Oh, I love Arrival. I do too. Um, it's... Uh, Amy Adams movie. It is on both Hulu and Amazon Prime. And yeah, I think it's a fascinating work. It's um, such a beautiful it's movie. It's a treat. I'm really excited about it. Me too. Um, and I feel like I've only seen it once. I saw it in theaters. And uh, after it was over, I remember like coming out and being like, I don't even feel like I need to talk about this movie because I just feel like full. Yeah. Like it's like a very satisfying movie. It's a so, very satisfying movie to watch. So I think it'll be like really good to like push myself to like need to discuss it and dissect it. Yeah, absolutely. In crystal terms. Yeah. It, it also uh, does a lot with communication and time. And it's yeah, it's great. It's magic. Great movie. I'm excited. So thanks for listening to Space Bros. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or the platform of your choice to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We love hearing from you. Five stars is preferable always. Are there stuff you want us to work on? Yeah. No, we tell appreciate us. that. You're, you're welcome to give us five stars and tell us to work on something, though. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Be sure to visit uh, outrageousmechanisms.com slash Space Bros. That is S-P-A-C-E dash B-R-A-S. To see our show notes and find other excellent podcasts. Also, check us out on your social media at space underscore bras on both Twitter and Instagram. You can also DM us on that. Uh, and we'll we'll get back to you.
That's good. Yeah. And now, join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast of Space Bras. In these troubled times, we must remember that even though everyone else might suck, we are awesome and the galaxy is ours. Cheers! Mechanisms Production.